the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about today, we can talk about. Try to be clever and talk about the stock market. Sure. Um, Netflix reporting above consensus earnings. McDonald's missing earnings expectations. McDonald's is one of those completely opposite stocks from Chipotle. And there's a lot of value, and there's some growth there. And that's going to be interesting to watch how McDonald's plays out. Now that their U.S. growth is slowing, down 1.7% in the first quarter, sales at restaurants open at least 13 months. Um, What's interesting to note about that is Chipotle was up like 16, 17, 18%. Or maybe it was 13, 13 to 18% is what I'll say. Um, That's fascinating. So you've got two companies going in two different directions. But let's not call McDonald's dead yet, because they still sell a lot more hamburger, a lot more chicken, a lot more french fries than anyone else put together. So they have some value on their balance sheet. They have some value in their value meals, of course, if you want to eat food that has no value. Um, but hey, we've got apple slices. You know, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to spend money and hurt their margins on better quality? Are they going to simplify their, their menu? But it's one of those stocks that becomes more intriguing to me because more people dislike it. If you can learn to become counterintuitive, you can ultimately end up doing very, very well. Now, it's near an all-time high. That's going to be a problem. But that big, fat dividend looks pretty nice. Um, and again, they're not going anywhere. They reported roughly two years of turbulent sales at U.S.-based restaurants. It's got a, a relatively high valuation for this type of growth, but that type of cash flow could do amazing things. Now, let's talk about bigger picture here for a second. The, the job growth has been weak. The wages have gone nowhere since the Great Recession. Surprisingly, we've seen corporate profits recover swiftly and surged record highs. The labor market story and the corporate profit story are very closely related. 
we're now hearing more and more stories about how CEOs pay and compensation is so high. If they just shared that with some of their employees, their employees would be able to buy some of their own product. So Chipotle and Netflix recently said, we're going to be raising the prices of our goods and services. There's something called a guacpocalypse, where Chipotle needs guacamole at as reasonable price as possible, and then there's the, oh, there's a drought going on in California. So companies like Chipotle and Netflix boosting prices. Up front, a lot of consumers may not even notice the price hikes because they're so small. But their capacity to spend gets squeezed just ever so slightly again. Unless we have a jump in hiring or a jump in wages, this could all backfire on corporate America. Fattening profit margins have enabled corporate America to deliver record earnings. Corporate America is scrambling to do what it can to maintain or boost its further profit margins. So, passing the cost on to the consumer. Now, on one hand, you can't blame them if the price of an avocado goes up a buck. You know, Chipotle doesn't have that ability to go to their suppliers like McDonald's says and says, we're not paying that. So Chipotle CFO announced he would raise prices by mid-single digits, 5% by the end of the quarter. That comes as the burrito chain faces rising food costs. A 5% increase would raise the cost of Chipotle's chicken burrito from about 7.81 to 8.20. Netflix is raising the prices on new subscription services by one to two dollars per month. That's going to represent a 12 to 15, a 12 to 25% increase in the cost of the subscription. Now. Netflix was pretty quick out the gate last night to say, hey, look, we've grown our video streaming library, and it's not like the content providers are going to give it to us for free. So and then you get into situations like Comcast, who has all this content, but they also have distribution via the Internet. And Netflix, all they have is ultimately is distribution and some you know, in-house content, Orange and New Black, the Kevin Spacey one. So consumer spending may not get a boost here. And that's going to be a, a wild thing to watch. Um, labor income, when adjusted for inflation, is declining. Whereas consumer spending is increasing. Where is, it, where is it all coming from? Are people saving nothing? Well, it's kind of some of the stories that we get on a regular basis. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. The S&P 500 is up 7 today. The Dow's up 58. The Nasdaq up 79. Zillow's CEO said something slightly interesting today. Zillow's CEO says, housing is, in sign, is showing signs of overheating again. I think we all know that, right? How do we not know that? It's pretty well defined out there. Home values more than a thousand US cities are expected to surpass their pre two thousand eight level within the year. It's definitely a mixed bag of news. On one hand, you are happy that home prices are recovered so nicely. On the other hand, values were definitely overvalued in two thousand six, two thousand seven. And that's why they, they cracked and went down as much as they did, and that's why some banks went down with them. In some markets, people are spending more of their incomes on a mortgage than they did during in the fifteen years previous. Broadly speaking, there's there's some value in housing, but more and more markets are at risk of overheating. So, again, just something we look at. We don't have to live by it. We don't have to die by it. We're just looking at it at this point in time, and 
you know, I own a home, and if it goes up or down in value in the next two or three years, I don't care. If it goes up or down in value in the next 10, 15 years, I don't care. It's that 20 years that I care about. And I've said this before on this show, is that I don't care about my home price going up. If it does nothing but go sideways, I'm okay with it because I've been paying rent to myself and slowly developing some equity. Albeit, uh, I could have done a, you know built a lot more equity in the stock market than I could in a house. That's historically true and proven, by the way. If you go back 30 to 40 years and invest in New York, San Francisco, and L.A., Chicago, you put $40,000 down on a property. You continue to service that property with you know a mortgage payment. You do the same thing on the stock market. The stock market beats the real estate market by over 400% in that period of time. So... Plus, you're in the position where if you lose your job in the stock market, you don't have to sell your stocks. You lose your job in the housing market, you may not be able to afford to stay there. So one's a liability and one's an asset. More and more, I want you to, again, continue to see that. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. you want to talk about what we can talk about? Money investing in more. Big streaming TV case is going ahead of the Supreme Court today. And this is a dilemma. You certainly understand that companies like ABC, CBS, NBC pays our United States government to use those airwaves. At the same time, companies like Google and Apple and Netflix can come in and say, you know what, we don't have to pay these airwaves. We'll just use apps and get the content to you through your own wireless internet connection. Here's the theme to Orange is the New Black. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Got a big event coming up this weekend, this Saturday in Burlingame. Two of them. One of them tied, is tied towards income and retirement, and one of them is tied towards the 20 things that you need to do to become a better financial person. One's for beginners. That's the one from 9 to noon. One's for more advanced. That's from 1 to 4. You can sign up for either or event at robblack.com. Standing still is hard. Remember all their faces. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Good morning. I'm Larry Hard. It was to get out of the house and go look at a new... Ikea, which, okay, I'm guilty. In my 20s, I went to Ikea when I wanted some cheap furniture. I admit it. I'd rather die now than have cheap furniture. Doesn't mean I have to have great furniture. Just means that I'm not going to assemble it into parts and pieces and what have you. But Ikea is renewables, you know, obsessed, flat pack furniture. They announced plans to offer vegetarian patrons something new to distract themselves. That they've experienced overwhelming rage and despair when you're at an IKEA shopping location on a day-by-day basis or on a weekend basis. Never go to an IKEA on an afternoon. Saturday afternoon, never ever do it. So, you know how they have like the meatballs and they've got different cafeteria type fare? They're now going to do a meatball that has... No, no meat in it, which I don't quite get why you would call it a meatball, but it's a vegetarian ball. They're awesome, you know, last year they got into kind of a hula blue about 
the fact that the meatballs had a horse in it. So, so they're looking at things that they sell. Probably going to focus a little bit more on pork and beef and not horse and monkey. Never a good idea to sell monkey meatballs. Because when the secret ingredient gets out there, you're doomed to have people backlash at you. Eight. Oh, I'm sorry, Bubbles. I miss Bubbles. SP 500 is up 7, the Dow is up 58, the NASDAQ up 29. Welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the big questions that I get via email and, and phone calls on a regular basis, Chad, is lump sum investing. I just inherited $100,000. I just inherited $40,000. And my next question, if it's a chick, is like, you got all your teeth? Like, are you good looking? Like, <laughs> what's your number? What's your number? <laughs> I've actually done that on air, which is pathetic. But um, lump sum <laughs> investing versus dollar cost averaging, these are two themes of investing. I say when you get a lump sum, just invest it because it will work out over time. What's your thoughts on lump sum investing? Well, most people are already dollar cost averaging through their paycheck, um, okay. their 401K. And dollar cost averaging works when there's, you know, when the market is – it has periods where it's trending lower over a year-long period so that you're buying sometimes at a low and sometimes at a high. Um, so if there's a significant correction and you've got cash to put in, I would just put it in. But if you're doing it and the market's at the higher end of a you know 12-month trading range, then dollar cost average to a point that makes you feel comfortable. The problem that people do when they dollar cost average is they let the motions get involved. So they'll start off and they'll say, I'm going to do X number of dollars per month. And they say, oh, no, the market's too high or I'm going to wait for a correction. And they skip out on their plan. You need to write down your plan on paper. It says, I'm going to dollar cost average just cash into a balanced portfolio over six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it may be. Something that takes the emotion out of it. Right. It's the emotion that makes it difficult. In a 10-year period, none of it will really matter. It will not matter. It's just how you can avoid getting your emotions involved in investing, and that's usually by a written plan that, that you follow that you don't, you know, you got to stay the course. Your written on. plan is a funny idea because most people remember things the, the way they want to remember them. They'll say things like, oh, I knew to buy Apple when they came out with the iPod, but did they buy Apple? Mm-hmm. A lot of day traders will be like, oh, I knew it was going to move from, you know, 440 to 525 after they reported earnings, but did they do it? And I recommend people, you know, if, if put up or shut up, write it down and give it to your wife. Yeah. If you have a great idea, write it down and give it to your wife. Because, and then when you need that money back, ask for it back from your wife. You could practice on paper is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, and if you look at the last decade, which was tough for investors, the S&P 500 is relatively flat if you don't count dividends. Um, but a balanced portfolio still averaged over 6% over the last 10 years, even with the credit crisis, the real estate bubble, and all that good stuff. Um, so a balanced portfolio will work out over time, and I think the the problem that investors that are coming in with cash or they've been sitting in cash, the problem they deal with is they're only watching stocks. Right. So they, they forget that a balanced portfolio, when the stock market is really rallying, will underperform in the short term, but it will outperform during the 3 out of 10 years that are negative. So 7 out of 10 years are positive, 3 out of 10 are negative, and asset allocation means you're keeping up with the market in the good years and outperforming it in the bad years. So that's what you want. I'm a big fan of dollar cost averaging in the 401k. With if you're going to try to do a trade, then you don't you don't you, you lump sum it. You know, it's it all depends on your expectations and your goals. But we preach diversification of equity, um, so lump summing it doesn't make a lot of sense. At the same time, though, I you know I take over um, portfolios, uh, sometimes large companies yeah. kind of rhyme with disher. 
where you see over 100 different stocks. Be careful. That guy can kill you. <laughs> we see over 100 different stocks, and you're like, okay, what's the point of picking 100 different stocks? Yeah. We have 1% position. What if that company does really well? It's not going to make a difference in your portfolio. So when I pick individual stocks, we typically keep 20 to 25 positions yeah. in the portfolio. Do you know why he puts people in 100 different stocks? Because it's impossible to quit them. You're thinking if I quit and I have to sell all these stocks, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. That's why, exactly why when I set up my company, we use TD Ameritrade as a brokerage firm, and my yeah. clients get uh, free trades for the first 60 days because yeah. I usually have to go in and fix portfolios because they have way too many positions. They're you know concentrated one t- sector of the market instead of being diversified, and we've got to fix it. So you know trading costs can become expensive if if you've got you know 100 positions or if you've got over 13 mutual funds, you're typically way over diversified. You got too many positions, you can't possibly follow it and have a daytime job. That guy you mentioned name rhymes with Disher. I once said on air that his sales force is kind of cheesy and smarmy, young guys who have, you know, cuff links and uh, initials on their shirts and stuff like that. Like these initials right now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, they're kind of douchey. Like, they're just cheesy guys. He called me. A billionaire calls me, and he's like, I heard you have something negative to say about my company. I'm like, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Please don't kill me. <laughs> I was afraid of him. Uh, no comment. <laughs> no, I'm scared. CFP <laughs> Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Anything you want, you want to talk about, we could talk about. Got two big events coming up this weekend in Burlingame, Saturday from 9 to noon. I'm going to go over the 20 Steps to Financial Freedom. And it sounds like a hokey name and a big in a hokey names. But, again, I think there's some really simple things. Um, that everyone should be doing and should not be intimidated by. So if you're 20, 30, 35, 40, um, this is a great event for you. I'm also going to go over hints, tips, tricks, everything I can try to put together between now and then that will you know, help you get the big picture, um, how important things like transports are to the you know, Dow Jones Industrial Average. Um, don't know if this even counts, but you know, last month the momentum stocks broke. And they fell apart, and a lot of people believe that was going to be the beginning of the end of the direction of the stock market from hitting record highs to moving lower. I don't see it that way. Um, I saw there's some hot sectors that had some momentum break, but some of that momentum's already right back into those names. And it gave you an opportunity to get into a name like Netflix if you buy into the story of Netflix. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. You can sign up for one of my two events this weekend. The other event, for the record, is about income and retirement and estate planning and how you want things to look um, and, and to transact and to fund your, your cost in retirement. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's in Burlingame this weekend. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's Tuesday, and as always, let's bring in 
Walker, Chief Market Analyst from Briefing.com. Patrick O'Hare, how are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. And yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Um, I took the day off yesterday, kind of not in touch with what happened. Have I missed anything since our last conversation? Well, uh, with respect to yesterday, no, you didn't, you didn't miss anything. It, uh, the stock market traded as if it was still on holiday as well, and um, you know the volume was pretty anemic at the uh, New York Stock Exchange. But, but that didn't stop the stock market from uh, continuing to press higher. Uh, posted some modest gains on the back of strength in the healthcare, energy, and technology sectors, and so it's continuing to exhibit this newfound bullish bias after the uh, the strong reversal we saw last week when the Nasdaq Composite came down and uh, and glanced its 200-day uh, moving average. Now, this morning, there's a lot of pharmaceutical deals, and pharmaceuticals have kind of been left for dead, the Pfizer's, the Merck's, the Eli Lilly's, um, kind of just not sexy. Their value, they make a lot of money, they buy a lot of shares, they share it via dividends. Does today's mergers and acquisition change things up? Well, um, you know, some are, are billing it really more as a reflection of uh, the reality of the industry and in that, uh, you know, suggestion being that uh, the pipelines are not what they need to be, and so they're trying to, you know, acquire those uh, those next-stage drugs, if uh, if you will, and so they're getting, getting bigger. Um, you know, but it does also uh, reflect kind of what you said. They're just, you know, cash-generating behemoths still, and so they're uh, able to pull off some of these uh, these large deals that are being talked about. Um, but uh, you know, the stock the stocks themselves, you know, they've done okay. I mean, Pfizer is uh, you know nearly doubled off of its lows, but you know, it's been emblematic, really, kind of the broader market. Really, you know, not many stocks have have been left behind in this uh, you know rally over the last five years, and so they're playing a little catch up, maybe on a relative basis. But um, I think that the you know the M and A activity is something that uh, we should not only expect to see within the uh, the pharmaceutical industry, but perhaps broaden out more generally speaking just because, um, you know, end demand growth still isn't quite as robust as you might expect it to see. So we anticipate that you're going to see companies aiming to pick up market share by uh, through their acquisitive activity. Okay. Now, if mergers and acquisitions pick up to kind of keep that corporate profit machine running and get some efficiencies, doesn't that mean we should buy the investment banks, the Goldman Sachs um, of the world because... They're getting the investment fees. They're getting the, um, mm-hmm. you know, partnering, helping people find money fees. Sure. Well, that's certainly one one component of their business that uh, stands to do to do well. Um, you know, if you then uh, look and see what's going on in, in the market, you know, in conjunction with all of that, if you have rising stock markets and strong, you know, bond markets and things like that, then, then yes, it should uh, certainly lend itself to, to that idea where the investment banks should be performing better because if you see, uh, you know, economic growth continue to pick up, you should see interest rates pick up, and that should be, um, uh, you know, better for 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 some of those businesses, some of the banking businesses anyway, and uh, you know, and that all points in a, a positive direction. So higher M&A activity, all else equal, is certainly better than you know low M&A activity for those investment banks. <laughs> so the mergers and acquisitions area, kind of, is it telling you that the when you see M&A pick up, is it telling you that there's value because corporations look at each other and say, "I will buy you," or mm-hmm. do you read nothing into it? 
Well, it, it is hard to say. I think you look at kind of like the structures of the deal. Um, you know, if uh, you know if they're using. Uh, you know, their stock uh, more so than just cash, uh, then that can be somewhat, you know, troublesome, you know, because they know that they have a, a highly valued currency, if you will, and they can use that to acquire other companies. Um, but if they're putting, you know, a lot of cash to work, then it, you know, they probably do see, you know, greater value in those uh, acquisition targets, uh, which could be an encouraging signal. Anything else out there today? Maybe the CEO um Departure of Alan Mulally from Ford. Success or failure starts at the top. Uh, is it his time to go? Would you like to see him linger? Any thoughts on Ford's new CEO? Yeah, well, you know, Mark Fields, uh, who is, you know, said to be the, the next CEO when uh, the, the final departure day comes from Mr. Mulally, is, I think, uh, you know, highly regarded in the industry. He's been at Ford a really long time and, and has been rumored uh, and speculated that he would eventually, you know, step into that role. So even then, we saw that news break on, on Monday, you know, Ford stock uh, didn't react all that much to it. Uh, and then also keep in mind that, you know, when, you know, Microsoft was going through its CEO search, Mr. Mulally was a oft-mentioned candidate for that position. And so uh, it, it created an awareness for the Ford shareholder base that uh, even if you were to, uh, you know, remain at Ford, you know, Mr. Mulally probably uh, didn't have a, a, a um, you know, a, a long, you know, a, a significantly longer time being there. Um, and so, you know, I think that the way that Ford has, has traded, though, shows that there is some comfort that Mr. Mulally has this company on a, on a good track, uh, and Mr. Fields has been there uh, at his side during the, the turnaround process and is uh, more than able and, and willing to, to pick up the reins and, and uh, take things over when, uh, when Mr. Mulally steps down. You mentioned in a recent article that you penned for Briefing.com, and I'm speaking to Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com, the headline was pretty powerful, Capital Markets Not Buying What Talking Heads Are Selling. Give me a little bit more on that article and what exactly you mean. Sure. You know, some of the things, you know, that we were looking at in terms of, you know, how the, you know, capital markets were, were trading this year didn't necessarily mesh with this whole idea that the economy is going to be uh, accelerating uh, to uh, what we'll call above potential growth. That is, you know, 3% plus in terms of GDP growth. And, and just, you know, as a market analyst, I was looking at the, some of those inconsistencies in terms of what the talking heads uh, were all saying on TV about how growth is, you know, certainly destined to accelerate to that above potential growth rate and was actually being priced into the capital markets. So we've seen a, uh, a drop in the 10-year yield since the end of the year. That isn't all that consistent with uh, an expectation that you're going to see stronger growth because, uh, you know, longer duration treasury securities are more sensitive to rising interest rates that would accompany stronger growth. But we saw a downturn in the yield uh, since the end of 2013. Uh, Within the stock market, you saw the significant outperformance of the utility sector, which is a probably the most countercyclical, defensive-minded sector around. And at the time I wrote that piece, it was up 13% uh, year-to-date, uh, an extraordinary move, which was a reflection, really, of, of in part of that drop in yield, which uh, increased the, the uh, uh, the appeal of those income-generating securities. Uh, within the currency market, uh, we saw that the dollar index uh, was really was down slightly for the year, and that is not consistent with uh, an economy that is expected to accelerate and to invite rising interest rates that would be supportive for the U.S. dollar. 
And then finally, looking at the commodity market, we saw that, uh, you know, copper still hasn't been acting all that well. We know that that's related in part to some of the issues surrounding China and excess supply over there. But uh, more emblematic, we think, of uh, some of the concern about the outlook really was what we were seeing in lumber contracts. Uh, lumber is a key input, obviously, for home building. Uh, and you're seeing lumber futures continue to fade, and they're not really pricing in that outlook for stronger demand growth. So. Those were some signals that suggested to us, for right now anyway, the market is not buying this whole economic uh, acceleration argument. That could all change, of course, but it's certainly not being reflected as of yet in the capital markets. We've got a little less than two minutes. I'm speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. A lot of independent analysis of U.S. markets, international markets, and much, much more. Anything that you're working on that you want to share with us on your way out? Well, so they're going to be, you know, continuing to follow the earnings results this week. And then, you know, maybe just as an aside, I have to mention, I, you know, I, I, I might be inclined to write some type of editorial as it relates to some of the how, – how dumb some of the smart – so-called smart money can sound sometimes. Um, you know, we saw today that, uh, you know, or heard last night Dennis Gartman writes the Gartman letter, you know, said two weeks ago he was scared out of his mind basically and got out of the you know, market and suggested people should just move to cash probably for the next month or two, and lo and behold, last night he reveals that he's back in and pleasantly long, and, uh, you know, and the market is the place to be. Um, and we're just, you know, scratching our heads at, the, you know, how probably at the amount of money he might have costed, you know, the subscribers to his newsletters in terms of transaction costs who followed his, you know, advice to get out of the market because he was scared. So he violated really the idea that you don't trade emotionally uh, and uh, you certainly are going to see the residual transaction costs of doing so. With that said, do you feel like the market should turn this off? The talking heads, like maybe our, our government should shut it down a little bit on this whole CNBC angle of um, I went on CNBC a couple times, and I, they said, give me a stock pick. And I was like, uh, General Electric, and they're like, no, 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 we want G-Wiz, not GE. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have any problems with what we see out of the analyst and the, the screaming and the emphaticness? Well, you know, one of the one of the problems I have in terms of, you know, of watching, you know, CNBC can – they do – generate a lot of good information, you know, at times. But, you know, one of the problems I have is that they have the same talking heads on all the time, right? And so um, I do think there is some, some a cheerleading element involved there. But to the, to the bigger point here is, is that, yes, you know, investors really need to kind of just tune out to all of the uh, perspectives because particularly when you're watching programming, business programming, they will have talking heads on that fit the day's trading action, right? Thanks. It's market analyst Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst Briefing.com. Stocks push higher. The Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ are all at the best level of the session. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charles.
Bob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, today, some of the big stories, McDonald's, you know, their sales weren't that great. But they generate a lot of cash. And there's a lot of value on the balance sheet because they've got a lot of money to play with. Uh, they've got a lot of value to go to their distributors and say, you know, we want lower prices. With that said, Chipotle's got the growth. Growth versus value versus income. You get the idea. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. How are you doing, Mr. Burton? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. You and I are going to see each other this weekend and do some events, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit a little bit new, a little bit different. Okay. Um, and we haven't done the, uh, you know, the, the beginning investor one for quite a while, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a little something different with a beginner investor one. I'm going to treat people as if they're totally stupid. Um, and, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine. That's a real selling point right there. Well, no, I, I think in the past, sometimes <laughs> I'll, I'll say things like, in the past, I'd say something, it, it takes two or three recessions for you to be thrilled with a recession. And this time I'm not going to use the R word because it's, I think some people want it dumbed down. But anyway, um, that's the event in the morning from 9 to noon, the 20 Steps to Financial Freedom. Uh, you'll be talking at that, and I'll be talking at yours. Yours is one from one to four. Tell me a little bit about what you're talking about that's new. Well, right. Well, we're going to still go over, you know, the right ways to create income from your portfolio as you go into retirement. Okay. We're going to do the basics of the uh, strategy that that I call you know, the Ten Pillars Retirement Income Plan, and you can download that from the website newfocusfinancial.com. We'll go over the basics of that, but then it's one step further. So when you have a lot of assets and you're trying to figure out how to minimize taxes and leave it to your heirs, how do you align your retirement income goals with your estate planning goals? Because there's two different things that can occur. You can plan for the lowest possible taxes for you while you're alive, or you can plan for the lowest taxes possible for your heirs after you leave money. Because oftentimes, if you have a large estate, estate taxes can run you know, over 35%. And if you're, you leave money to your kids and your IRAs and your annuities, they haven't been taxed yet. So if you do it the wrong way, they're still working when you pass away typically, and they're in a much higher tax bracket than you are. So you could end up costing your family a heck of a lot more in taxes later because you've minimized taxes so much now. So if you have a large estate and you're trying to deal with how do I leave a legacy to my kids, my grandkids, my charity, how do you blend those two together? Um, things like Roth conversions and charitable remainder trusts, uh, is, you know, leaving a legacy that you really can be proud of. That's what we're going to talk about. It's interesting that you're leaving a legacy. If you live in California long enough, you have real estate, you have a 401k, you're probably going to leave some do re me to your children if you have children. Uh, what's your thoughts on giving money to children as part of an income strategy in retirement? Well, I mean, if you can imagine this, let's say you have uh, an IRA, and you don't, you're not really using it. You just kind of take your required minimum distributions, and you go on with your life. You're, you've uh, you know, got enough assets or dividends and interest elsewhere. If you leave that to your child, they can roll into an inherited IRA, and they'll have to pull a little bit out each year and pay taxes. They can pull more if they want. But let's say you convert it slowly over time to a Roth IRA. You're then leaving an inherited Roth IRA to your child, or grandchild, which is a tax-free account for the rest of their lives. 
they can take they have to take out a little bit out each year. They can take out more if they want. It's called a stretch IRA. In this case, a stretch Roth IRA strategy. Um, I mean, the key is really is do you really know how much you're leaving? Because people, there's people that are cash flow rich, asset poor. There's people that are you know asset rich, but they spend so much, they're actually going to end up running out of money later in life. So. A lot of people don't even know where they are, so they go to an attorney and they get a lot of fancy estate planning done based on today's assets, but their spending habits are making them broke. So the, the key is is that you do long-term financial projections before you go see the attorney that you know what legacy you're dealing with, and you should have separate columns in your long-term projection. You should have your, your real estate assets, your investment accounts, your retirement accounts, and maybe your business to see what that looks like. And, for example, the retirement accounts, you're going to have to take money out each year starting at age 70 and a half. So what are the real projected values of those assets? And uh, you also have to get an idea of what you're spending now so you can really see how much you're going to be draining those assets. Um, and, then, and then the next step is say, okay, I do have a large legacy. How do I benefit my kids without spoiling them? How do I benefit my charity? And how do I get the income that I need? A lot of these answers will be given out this weekend at a Berlin Game Seminar from 1 to 4 on estate planning, kind of aligning everything with your retirement goals and your, your income needs. So how does estate planning and retirement goals work together? Well, you know, a couple things. We talked about the IRA, for example. And so okay. it's really important for almost everybody to at least explore the idea of converting some of your IRA to a Roth between the age of retirement. Let's say you retire at 62. You can control your bracket and be at a low bracket until age 70 and a half when you have to start taking money out of your IRAs. So each of those years, you need to do tax bracket management. You need to realize how much you can pull from your IRA at the existing bracket that you have and possibly convert some of it to a Roth every year because there's no income limits for that. And that way you're building up a tax-free account all the way up until age 70 and a half. Then what you can do um, if you're, you know, again, leaving a legacy of large accounts and you don't really need the IRA money, well, you would continue to do that past age 70 and a half. So people that have just enough to retire, they would stop at age 70 and a half. People that have more than they need would continue that Roth conversion strategy. Thanks very much. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Big event coming up this weekend in Burlingame. Two different events, one for the younger investor and one for the person heading towards retirement and creating an estate plan. You can learn more about either or event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. for a free consultation. That's 408-947-7600. Information and discussions are for informational purposes. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as... Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Got two big events coming up this weekend in Burlingame. You can sign up for them at robblack.com. The morning event from 9 to noon in Burlingame is going to be focused completely on... The beginner, the 20-something, 30-something, 35, 40-year-old person who, excuse me, needs to cough? No. Needs to figure out what to do in retirement. Uh, How to get there. It's a roadmap. And you're never going to get there unless you have some sort of concept. I'm also going to go over a lot of hints, a lot of tips, tricks, everything that I can. Um, Some of it's going to be really basic. Some of it's going to be a little bit more complicated. Uh, I'll answer your questions. 
don't be shy. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. In the afternoon, Chad Burton's going to be talking a little estate planning and income. One of the questions I asked him recently was, you know, what does asset management look like to you for your children? You know, his children are young at this point in time. He doesn't know if they're going to be financially savvy or not. Hopefully they will. But if he kicks the bucket, or if any of us kick the bucket, and our spouses take control, where does that leave them with financial decisions? What happens if they remarry? Where does that leave your initial goals for what you had in mind for your children? It can get kind of messy. That's one of the reasons I believe in a trust. I don't necessarily believe that giving a kid money, a big chunk of change, uh, just when you die is a good idea. I think you spread it out age 25, age 35, age 40. Um, Or you could say, look, you're going to get 4% of it a year. And I'm going to be a little bit more conservative the way it's managed. So some years it will be less than, than you want. Some years it will be more than you want. And it will help offset or it will help subsidize your current income through your life. But it's also meant to go to your grandchildren and their grandchildren's grandchildren's. So there's different ways of looking at this. And I think both events are pretty important. Uh, but they're obviously for different types of people. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. Um, Glaxo, Novartis, Eli Lilly, they're in a major three-part deal today. Um, Glaxo is selling its cancer products business to pharmaceutical giant Novartis. $14.5 billion. Novartis said separately that it's going to sell its animal health division to Eli Lilly for $5.4 billion. Glaxo will purchase Novartis' vaccine business with the exception of its influenza vaccines. And the two companies will enter a new joint venture to form a consumer health care unit. It's going to affect jobs. This is a wild play. Um, if today was Monday, we'd be calling it Merger Monday. M&A Monday. I like seeing companies look around at each other and say, okay, we're going to raise prices, or we're going to buy each other, or I like seeing this. I find value in your, your slow-growing business. I find value in your growth business. Cancer's a growth business. Uh, I heard a horrible PSA this morning. Do you know De- De Laurentiis? It was his sister. And I know Dino De Laurentiis had something to do with television and movies, right? I, I don't have quite the right finger on it. Um, I know what I know in my world, and sometimes I shut down my brain to outside world stuff. My brother died of... Uh, skin cancer, melanoma. It was a mole the size of a, a fat tack. And that's kind of pretty crazy. We're seeing more and more cases of melanoma, more and more cases of breast cancer, more and more cases of, you name the cancer. It's a growth market. Uh, and there's a play on words in there that's just sickening. With that said, I get it. I get why GlaxoSmithKline, you know, selling off their... Uh, cancer products to Novartis. Novartis is big. Novartis is big enough to pull off this kind of size and scope. Um, recently, what's interesting is the biotech stocks have broken down, and there was more money going towards the big pharmaceutical stocks because they had a lot of value. Big stock in the news today is Netflix. Netflix, uh, ticker symbol NFLX, uh, clearly helped bring down Blockbuster, right? Hollywood Video. Are you with me against me on that one? I don't see how you can see it any other way. 
but they're up 6.8% up today, 23 bucks. 52 week high is 458. It's currently at 372. It's not cheap. So, but they're talking about raising prices on new customers, a buck to two bucks. They've got clearly uh, nearly 36 million current subscribers, and you're going to pay that eight bucks that you're currently grandfathered into for at least another year. So, how does that make you feel? I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut my service. That's too much money. I pay 140 bucks a month for cable television. I've got to have my HBO, and I have to have some sports. Um, and the funny thing is, everything else you can keep. I don't want it. Um, and I recently called Comcast to try to drop the cable box modem, uh, because it's 8 bucks a month, and like you can get a, a Doxus 3.0 modem for probably 50 bucks. So if you plan to keep the modem for more than 6 months, you're probably wiser buying it. And they get on the phone and they're like, oh, the modem you got is not compatible with our system. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's on your webpage saying it's compatible. And you just get the feeling that sometimes insurance companies and sometimes cable companies just try to deny you long enough so that you just give up. Um, and I get that. You know, I'm not saying I don't. I get it. Other big stories in the news today. And I think Netflix is higher, for the record. I think uh, a lot of people like their service. And they can get by with it. Now, what, what stinks is like when you get that Major League Baseball package, you don't get to watch teams in your home market. Uh, if anyone's figured out that workaround, let me know. McDonald's profit falls. Same store restaurant sales slip in the United States. Compared to Chipotle, Chipotle's got growth. Compared to Chipotle, McDonald's has got size and scope. Better cash flow. Better ability to weather higher costs and not pass them on to consumers. Amazon. This is kind of an interesting angle on Amazon. And let's take a quick look at the market numbers. Um, Amazon.com, momentum company. We all know it. Up 8 bucks. Uh, and SP 500 is up 8 today. The Dow's up 83. The NASDAQ up 34. But Amazon.com has been hit in states that are collecting online sales tax. Um, so we knew about this, and it kind of started going into effect in the last two years. Um, in states that have the tax, households reduce their spending on Amazon by about 10%, comprised of those states that, that don't have the levy. For online purchases of more than $300, sales fell by 24% on the Amazon tax. Findings add to concerns about how much the world's largest online retailer could expand. The company reported quarterly earnings on April 24th. Uh, it's coming up in two days. And this question will come up. It's part of the conference hall that I love when the analysts can ask questions. So, are they doomed? Oof, I don't think so. The push by states to collect taxes on Internet purchases has gathered momentum in the past few years. Amazon collects sales tax in 20 states. More are set to follow as the company has become a popular target to help state governments generate more revenue for budget shortfalls. Facebook in the news today, and this is a, a pretty vague one, but I'll wait to talk about that and instead mention, too, that have got a big event coming up in Burlingame this weekend. Uh, big event talking about 20 Steps to Financial Freedom from 9 to noon. In the afternoon, it's estate planning, income strategies, how to get them on the same page. It's a bigger part of the process. You can sign up for either or event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. 
KDOW Trap. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Big event coming up this Saturday. I'm giving up one of my two Saturdays of the year for a Saturday event, so this is it. This is one of the two. Um, first event for younger people. 20 Steps to Achieving Financial Freedom. Bring questions. If you want to drop off a copy of your portfolio, um, that's fine. If you show up for the event, I'll take a look at it and give you some feedback. In the afternoon, I'm going to be doing an event tied towards, uh, Chad's going to do this one, tied towards income and you know retirement estate planning wishes. It's a little on the complicated side. Michelle Lerman will be there from Lerman Law. You can sign up for either or event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's five bucks, and you're saying, five bucks? You're ripping me off. No. Trust me, it's worth the effort. Uh, with that said, maybe it's not for you. You can sign up for the events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Take a quick look at the market numbers today. Uh, we've got SP 500 up 8, Dow up 83, the NASDAQ up 34. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton from NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. Chad, there's been a lot of headlines about ETFs and how individuals can trade them for free. Let's talk about ETFs and what people need to know. Yeah, it, I mean, this is should be a core holding in people's portfolios, but it needs to be a core holding in the right place, and they need to be used properly. ETF stands for Exchange Traded Fund. We know mutual funds are actively managed or passively managed. Um, same thing with ETFs? Yeah, now. I mean, they start off as passively managed products. So the best known ones are Spiders, symbol SPY, where you can buy the S&P 500, um, or QQQs. That's the other big one that is based on the NASDAQ. Um, you can look at the holdings there easily. Um, ETFs, they trade all day long, and you can, you have to, the, the holdings are reported on a daily basis. When you buy a mutual fund, if you trade in the morning, whether it's a buy or sell, you don't get the price till the end of the day. So mutual funds trade once a day. At the end of the day, they figure out the net asset value. ETFs are considered more transparent. They trade all day long, so you could do things like stop losses if you've decided you want to sell something. Um, you can do limit orders. It's a little bit easier to use, but the idea is that they're a little bit cheaper typically than the mutual fund, and they're a great tax-efficient way to get broad-based exposure in the right areas. And when I say the right areas, I like uh, if you're trying to do broad-based exposure into large caps or mid caps or certain sectors, that's when they work well. Um, also, certain strategies like some of the dividend-increasing ETFs that are out there. Um, Vanguard has one. Um, S&P has one. Those are great tools. Where I don't like them is in the areas of small cap or emerging markets or international because I think you need a manager to be a little bit smarter in terms of what companies in the international indexes you truly, truly want to own. As a financial planner, as a portfolio manager, what are some of the products other than ETFs that you 
include in overall portfolios? Well, I like them all. So a lot of firms out there will say, well, I'm only an index fund investor, or I'm only a managed mutual fund investor, or I'm only a stock picker. Um, you know, I decided a long time ago that I was never going to put myself in a box because things change, and I like stocks in certain specific areas like dividend increasing stocks. Yep. I like ETFs in large and mid cap and I like managed funds for my small cap, some of my mid cap, my international or things like if I'm investing in certain types of oil and gas companies. Um, so they, there's good and bad in everything and you can't just say you're one thing as an investor because as soon as you do that, you're probably going to be wrong. There's a person who espouses buy and hope is dead and buy and hold is dead and you know, I, I don't – where you say you don't put yourself in a box, I hate people that put themselves in boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to have an open mind. I think uh, a Republican Congress is different than a Democrat Congress. I think a Republican president is different than a Democrat co- – like it changes how you might say, I, I feel a little bit better about uh, you know, international companies. I feel a little bit better about defense companies. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you had to get a little bit more active, and I think – Ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I would have ignored the fundamentals, but or the not the fundamentals, but the technicals. So now, though, I'll use kind of quantitative analysis, just certain quant screens to narrow down the choices of stocks that we're going to look at because there's so many out there. Right. And then uh, use fundamentals to determine which companies you want to buy, and then you use technicals as the last resort to just make sure that the entry point that you want to achieve is correct. Sometimes you don't want to buy until the chart looks maybe a little bit better and things have turned. Um, sometimes you don't want to sell until the chart starts to break down. Um, but it's not the first. I mean, people that only trade on technicals, show me one that's been really successful and always beat the market over the long run. Yeah, and if I were to give it my Call of Duty analysis, it would be like bringing a sniper rifle into a city battle. You don't do it. You bring a sniper battle, a rifle into a wide-open desert. You know, I... I Six months ago, I would have not known what you were talking about, but I finally played it with my son, and I realized how horrible I am at video games. Oh, yeah. I spent half the time shooting the wall or looking up, <laughs> looking up in the sky. I can't get my thumbs to work the same way. It's, it's horrible. It's awesome. So <laughs> as a financial planner, you know the right tools to use in the right scenarios. As a video game player, you don't, right. so you don't play video games. Same thing with investing. If you don't know the difference between an index ETF or... Uh, one that's more actively managed, what the costs are, what uh, different presidencies, what different inflation areas. Low inflation, you can make a lot of money. High inflation, it's tough to win in the market, and it's easy to win in the bond market. So different scenarios win in different um, environments. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a certain point where interest rate increases are okay, but after that, there might be a time to overweight in bonds again. Good stuff. Tune in every day. Chad Burton is live and on the air Mondays from 6 to 7 on KDOW. You can also find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, and I'm kind of lucky right now. I, I feel like I've got something going on for me that Johnny Depp doesn't. got a little bit of a positive mojo. Um, Johnny Depp has been in a funk, a really, really bad funk. He just came out with his fourth movie in a row that was a bomb. So Transcendence pulled in just under $11 million this weekend. It cost $100 million to make. Now, when it's all said and done and the counting tricks have been deployed, who knows if it'll make money, but listen to this the slate of stinkers he's come out with. The Lone Ranger, Dark Shadows, and The Rum Diary. And in, in terms of like movies, is he bankable anymore unless he plays a pirate? Arr. So he has no star power, in my opinion, at this point. Sci-fi flick about a scientist whose mind gets uploaded in artificial intelligence. 
as his life hangs in the balance meet just $11 million. Now, I did watch The Lone Ranger. It was one of those nights where I believe I was being tortured by the CIA, and they made me watch the movie. And it was awful. It was dreadful. It was horrific. I want you to think of The Lone Ranger in a very similar way to the way you think of semiconductors or to Apple's iPhone iOS 8. It's player for company, and that company's going to cut you when things go bad. I want you to see the value of business stories like that. It may not be obvious, but it's there. Big event coming up this weekend in Burlingame. Two events, one in the morning on accumulated wealth, one in the afternoon about managing and having it go your way. We're talking Rob Black and your money. You can find out more about the event this Saturday in Burlingame at robblack.com. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Again, anything that you really want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, big stories of the day, McDonald's profit falls as U.S. same-store restaurant sales slip. Amazon is starting to see a material impact from paying state income taxes. Facebook's planning a mobile ad network, and it's, it's, it's massive. Where they're going to give a vast reservoir of data about users to help marketers target ads on other services. Um, the network's going to let brands, retailers, and others place ads on multiple mobile apps. Um, and games targeting people who have provided their real identities to Facebook. So uh, they will give out things like your age, gender. You know, who's playing Plants vs. Zombies? Is it just an eight-year-old kid who would have absolutely no interest in skiing or pornography? Or a 25-year-old guy who's might have interest in those areas? So Facebook, this is going to be pretty big. You know, Google already has a lot of this in place, and Facebook continues to, I think, be well-positioned. Um, again, short-term, yes. Long-term, it's really tough to say. Um, but they also own Instagram. So they're not totally, you know, standalone. And they're not totally going to fall like MySpace did. They have enough money, they could buy a lot of startups for many, many, many years. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about today. Um, Personal finance, it doesn't have to be a bad word. Um, Personal finance covers retirement, covers taxes, investing, credit and debt, savings, spending, home and real estate. Personal finance covers cars, colleges, insurance. And... Yesterday, I was picking up a pizza from a local pizza place. 
And the guy making it had pretty big earrings, big piercing through his ear that had a stud in it, I think that's what you say. And it was, I was like, man. At some point in time, this guy was going to go try to get a job, and he better hope that he doesn't get discriminated against, because to me, that was shocking. I grew up in a family where we were not supposed to get tattoos. And I, I would honestly think we all, I don't think any of us did. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a tattoo, but I get how society will single you out. Sometimes for the better, but usually for the worse. Um, so that's something to start thinking about. You know, uh, what you do today is going to obviously have some ramifications in the future. I have a friend that got a big old butterfly tattoo. I was like, ooh, not, not your best idea. Um, I know you could get tattoos taken off or covered, so sort of. So a couple things that I want to talk about is real estate. Real estate is interesting to me right now. Existing home sales for a third month in a row fell to their lowest rate since July 2012. Last month's seasonally adjusted annual rate was 4.59 million, down two tenths of a percent from the previous month. Higher prices, tighter supply, are changing the mathematics. Sales have fallen since July. July of 2013's rate of over 5.4 million. 5.4 million rate down to 4.5 million rate. That's a million fewer homes a year. That's a pretty big number. Okay, okay, it's like 950,000. But you get the idea. Um, you're taking off 15, 20% of the buyers. Or transactions. Um, and that's not totally missed. You know, it, it's, that liquidity helps. Home values in more than a thousand plus cities in the United States are expected to pass their pre-2008 levels within the year. So housing's come back. My issue is wages haven't come back. So why do we think housing can continue to go higher? In the end, push comes to shove, you have to get someone to pay that monthly mortgage. Um, or goes into foreclosure, or someone comes in, scoops it up on a discount. But who are these someones? Who are all these people? Who are all these people who can afford real estate? Uh, so we want to see some wage inflation. And right now we're seeing some interesting things out of Chipotle. And out of Netflix basically said, okay, our consumer is the middle class. Maybe it's the upper lower class. Maybe it's the lower middle class. Uh, but if you're making $300,000 a year, you're not going to Chipotle, more than likely, unless you and your buddies are doing it at work kind of thing. Um, so Chipotle and Netflix both said we're going to raise prices. And they'll help them maintain profits. Flat out, yes. But again, bigger issue down the road for them is, you know, where does the lower middle class go? You know, we could clearly see that moms who have children have, have said, you know, we're giving up on McDonald's. We're going to focus on a Chipotle. But if it gets too pricey, that mom's going to go right back to McDonald's. Because in the end, you only have so much money. And that growling in your stomach is what you want to serve. Um, other stories of note today, I, I think I've hit that one pretty good. Harley Davidson, their earnings jumped more than 18%. Their stock's at a seven-year high. There's a phrase with 
Harley Davidson ticker symbol hog that you can put your butt, put another word for it, the one that starts with A, on some class. Um, it is perceived as all that in a bucket of chicken. In the end, it is not something you have to have. It's something you want. That's going to be interesting. Um, and what do I say by that? I think Harley Davidson represents America. So a lot of foreigners, which this is one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. You know the red cup? The red plastic cup? There was one of those viral videos that went around about how Europeans and Asians have American parties. And one of the staples up for it is like to dress up like uh, Guns N' Roses. But also to carry around a red plastic cup because that's what Americans do. Which is pretty funny, because I don't, but I did in college. In college, if you wanted to drink a beer, you didn't use glasses, because glass breaks. You can't have a, a party where you're dancing, and, oh, that party girl just dropped her glass, and, you know, some of the people are cut. Oh. So, Europeans look at us as red party cup people. They're easy to serve. They're cheap. Uh, you could put it right on top of the keg, per se. Again, I, I don't drink that much, but it's fun to talk about. So Harley-Davidson, ticker symbol HOG, great ticker symbol, right? It's trading at 22 times this year's earnings. And this is one of those companies that I'm starting to see, it's trading at 16 times next year's. It's too much. Yes, as jobs continue to improve, more people will say, I, I want a hog. Yes, there's a replacement cycle there. But that's a company I'm going to pass on. Unless, and again, at multi-year highs, there's no shame. No shame at a seven-year high during the cash register if you've been in under seven years. And again, Soderbergh Revisor for the Act on Insights mentioned. But I'll stand by that one. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money invested more. As far as spending goes, I don't want to be the type of person who's like, you should buy everything on coupons or coupons and you should, I don't want to be that guy with that said I do want you to look at the way you waste money um, I bought a piece of salmon recently that I let spoil on me and I find that tragic tragic what a waste of money but also what a waste of fish life or fish food or food so everyone has holes in our budgets I just want you to be cognizant of them I think debt's a pretty big shackle, and that's one of the first areas that you should look at improving. A couple of years ago, you bought a car, and your credit wasn't that good, and you got like a 5 6 7% rate, but you've been paying on time. You've been paying on time. You may want to look to refinance, because you may get a lot lower rate, which is maybe $100 a month that you save, $1,200 a year, $5,000 over four years. I'll take that, please. Um... Go generic, off-brand Safeway tomato paste versus Hunt's tomato paste. It's you're not going to notice the difference. Same thing with you know Benadryl and versus Waldrill, Walgreens versions of Benadryl. It's thirty to forty percent cheaper, and you're not going to notice the difference. So I want people to start thinking this way. Stop hitting penalties. If you pay your taxes late, you're an idiot. If you pay your bills like you're an idiot. And you've got to stop being a financial idiot. Because you're not. And you've got to stop doing it.
Stop buying insurance you don't need. Um, going on a trip, I would think twice before buying trip insurance. How many times have you canceled vacations at the last second? Not very often. With that said, I'm looking towards a real vacation. I, these three-day weekends, four-day weekends, not enough for me. I need some Mexico time, some real downtime where no English is spoken for four or five days. Uh, one of the big stories today, Glaxo, Novartis, Eli Lilly, and a major three-way deal. That's helping the whole healthcare sector. Um, and I think it's smart. These companies all got big and they opened up little divisions here, little divisions there. And they kind of become bloated and they get some synergies by spinning off the divisions. Hey, I'll take your vaccine business if you take my dog care business. We both have two secretaries of finance for dog care. Let's just cut down to one. Big event coming up this weekend in Burlingame. You can look at the event, learn more about the events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.